Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Pilato, and today we have a great guest lined up. It is the chairperson of the Texas Railroad Commission, Chairman Christy Craddock. But first, we need to bring in our resident energy expert and shale oil and gas associate editor, David Blackman. David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. You know, I want to get right into things because there's a lot going on in oil and gas uh, you know, there has, it seems like the headlines have kind of slowed down a little bit pertaining to uh, a lot of different things we were listening to with EPA and Trump and executive orders. But I want to get back into the real nuts and bolts about oil and gas, because uh, I think there's a lot to talk about. What is actually going on with the price of oil? It's softening. And what do you see happening here in the next couple of weeks with oil prices? Well, they're probably going to continue to soften. Uh, we've had a pretty substantial growth in inventories, both of crude oil and of gasoline here in the United States. And those inventory reports uh, have spooked the market uh, that along with uh, the growing reality that some of the OPEC countries are are not uh, complying with their uh, export limitations. So it's kind of spooked the market and it's it's, uh, diminished confidence. And that's why the price is, You've seen the price go from $50 down to about uh, 44 midweek this week. And um, I think it's probably going to continue to slide at, at least over the next few weeks. The Saudis, though, uh, have, have begun dramatically reducing their exports to the United States specifically to get those inventories down uh, because they realize the importance of psychology to, to the oil trading market. And so their hope is if they can, you know, reduce their own exports to the United States and generate two or three really good inventory reports, you know, show big inventory draws over the next few weeks, that I'll restore some, some, you know, psychological confidence to the market. Psychology is very important in all this. So hopefully that strategy will have some effect and the price will firm up a little bit. But reality is we still have a surplus on the market. U.S. production is rocketing up the last few months, and uh, it's you know eating into the, the cuts OPEC and Russia have made, and uh, so the market is not rebalancing as quickly as people had hoped. So you're going to so you're saying that we're going to see a softening of the, the numbers a little bit, uh, and then it'll last for maybe uh, a little while, a couple of months or something, but then after that you see it rebounding. And do you see also in the different shell plays in the United States? that um, these are still going to continue to build or slow, or some are going to be winners, some are going to be losers, and if some are going to be winners, which ones are those? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the big winner will continue to be the Permian uh, Basin because it has so many different plays that, that in a lot of areas are stacked on top of one another. The economics are just so much better out there than they are in the Balkan or the Eagle Ford or DJ Basin. So, you know, the boom out there in the Permian is going to continue for the time being. But if you got if you were to get into a scenario where the price of oil got down to forty 
uh, and stayed there for a while, you know, you could see things even slow down the pony. But I, I do think overall, nationwide, uh, the rig count will slow the second half of the year. Drilling is going to slow the second half of the year because the price is lower than it was at the first of the year. So these companies, I think you'll start seeing some of the, the these mid-sized to large independent producers that are drilling all these wells start to kind of scale back on their drilling budgets the second half of the year. And, you know, we could even, uh, by August, see that rig count start going even going down overall a little bit. But but the reality is demand is still growing uh, globally. Uh, as long as OPEC, these OPEC countries do. What they're supposed you know, have, to do, what they're promising yeah, they they're going to do. 75, 80% compliance with their deal. Uh, it's all going to rebalance by the end of the year, and the price will firm up again. Um, so it's That's just, good news. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a, another big collapse in the price, but it is going to keep softening for a while. Okay, so don't go out and spend and spend and spend. Save a little bit because we might have a little bit more <laughs> of some rainy days ahead of us. Yeah. I, I want to change gears a little bit, and let's get into some politics. Um, you know, it was a pretty sad thing to see um, you know, the shooting uh, at the Republican uh, baseball practice um, this past week. Oh, and horrible. Yeah. It, horrible. But, you know, for me, I just kind of feel like you can expect more of this if you continue to have such uh, vile discussion, uh, hatred being uh, put out in the media. There are a lot of people that are very ill when it comes down to the brain and they don't take that kind of information and just process it like the rest of us and if they're on the verge of snapping they snap and um, I think that we should be more careful of you know the things that we're saying and it just I mean is it just me David or do you see it's my opinion that some of some of these people in the Democratic Party care really nothing about the party per se surviving or care about the United States per se, or even can embrace or endorse the president that was elected, they are just going to fight to the nail regardless, and they don't really care yeah. about how it hurts the United States. Well, I think that's their whole strategy is just to oppose and, and demonize, and that's that's sad. Um, it is, you know, the rhetoric has gotten to ridiculous uh, levels, and, you know, when you have a, a Shakespeare in the park, uh, basically dramatizing the assassination of the sitting president of the United States every night uh, and Kathy Griffin, you know, um, holding the the severed head of the president uh, for a photograph and things like that going on. And, you know, they they believe they can do these things. They feel like they can do these things with impunity because we have lost – we no longer have a functioning news media in this country. At least this is my theory. I I think that – you know, when you had a functioning news media that would uh, would shame people for behaving the way so many of these people behave these days, uh, they felt uh, less free to do these kinds of things and say the kinds of things they say. But but the media no longer holds any Democrat accountable for anything. And well, so, they're part of the problem yeah, as well. They're, they're a big part of the problem. They're a huge part of the problem. And Frankly, I think they're the germinating factor in the problem. And I think Um, that if the Secret Service would start really going and uh, charging people, you can't say these things about a sitting president. You know, you just can't do those things. And and make one person an example of being charged 
and uh, and holding them accountable, I think that we would see a lot less of this rhetoric going on. Personally, that's me, and I just don't see anybody being held accountable for making threats against a president. Well, I'm, I'm surprised, frankly, that that, that that hasn't already happened. I don't understand why the Justice Department hasn't already begun prosecuting some of these people for doing some of the things they do. And so, you know, some of these things are, are absolutely uh, making threats against the president, which is a federal crime. And, you know, you just can't, you shouldn't be allowing people to do that with impunity. If you would start prosecuting people, a lot of it would stop. Um, so I, I don't understand the, the inaction on the part of law enforcement. Right. I, I, I don't agree with every single thing that Donald Trump uh, President Trump does, but I do also believe that as our president, we need to be supporting him, uh, especially publicly, because can you imagine what other countries are thinking about that the United States isn't even supporting the president they elected? And on top of that, I think most of us, you know, just by birth are very patriotic. And the president means something to us in that office. And if he doesn't succeed, that means we all don't succeed. And I just don't understand how how some of these people represent the Democratic Party and the party itself is not standing up and saying, this is not what we stand for. Maybe you probably should look for a different party because the Democratic Party does not stand up for this or, you know, it's not a part of this and doesn't condone this behavior. And yet they don't say anything. And so this is why they're losing people left and right. I mean, the Democratic Party has people in droves changing party because i don't think most of america can even identify with this party right now and the things that they're supporting and not supporting the president is just flat out wrong regardless of what party it is republican independent democrat you just shouldn't do that it's it's a sitting president do you see that we will see anything uh changing in the way of energy with the administration anytime soon or any more executive orders coming out or anything that's going to affect the oil and gas industry um, you know, I don't, I'm not aware of anything. Uh, I think pretty much that part of the agenda is done, and now they're they're at the part where they're redoing some of these regulations um, that have been proposed by the Obama administration. And they, you know, they pulled them back to to redo them. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think now we're into the part of the, of the presidency where the the bureaucracy kicks in and starts doing its job, and uh, that'll be much slower going and a lot less. <laughs> A lot News less exciting week, than what we've had. All right. Well, David, that's all we have for now. Let's hope that uh, things kind of simmer down when it comes to the political landscaping and um, people start coming back, getting back down to normal or, or, you know, becoming normal again and not being so violent towards one another. Um, look forward to having you back on the show and we'll talk a little bit more about energy and politics and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Good deal. Thank you. Well, David, as always, thank you for being a guest today on the show. That wraps it up for now. We do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. When we return, our guest, Chairwoman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Caleg Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? 
and I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656, and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day -day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can always email me, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kalig, K-A-H-L-I-G, auto, A-U-T-O, dot com. I look forward to seeing you down the road. And welcome back to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have such a special guest uh, that we're going to be interviewing today. It's actually her first time to come on in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest is Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I want to briefly just talk about the Texas Railroad Commission and the big, big job that you guys are responsible for doing, but also, may I say, the amazing job that you guys do to not only regulate the oil and gas, but also protect the citizens of Texas at the same time. So tell me just a little bit about what the Texas Railroad Commission does. Well, we always have to start by saying the Railroad Commission, as most of your listeners probably know, doesn't do railroads anymore. We used to. But we are the oldest oil and gas regulatory body in the world. And we regulate oil and gas in this state, but also pipeline safety inspections. We also do gas utilities. So if anybody has a gas pipe coming into their house, the rates have come through the Railroad Commission. Coal mines, which are surface mines in the state. And we also, people forget, we have a little uranium in the state. So exploration of uranium, which is not a very active piece of what we do today, but we do that as well. So the biggest piece in about... 70% of our agency work is done for oil and gas permitting and inspections and making sure that people are able to drill while we're still protecting the environment. And now this massive job that this agency is responsible for doing, uh, tell me a little bit about the structure of it. Um, it's uh, Obviously, it's an electable position, so the citizens of Texas elect um, the commissioners, but let's talk about the structure. Well, so there are three commissioners. We are all elected statewide. And then the chairmanship rotates amongst the three of us by, quote, a gentleman's agreement, even though I'm a lady. So I am the chairman right now and have been for coming up on close to a year. And it's actually my second time to be chairman. Somehow when the legislature is in town, I've drawn the short straw to be chairman. So it is, uh, so there's three of us. We have about just under 700 people right now who work for us. And we have an Austin office, but we also have field offices all over the state. We have nine different field offices across the state. And those are where we have inspectors and people who work on our permitting as well. Well, um, I, I have had uh, the pleasure of getting to know you uh, through the years with Shell Magazine, and you actually uh, a cover in the past. And uh, the unique thing is that, you know, as you mentioned, you are a female in what 
typically t- seems to be the oil and gas world, mostly a male-dominant field. But you, too, as a, an individual and the things that you've accomplished in your own life, in your family, I want to get into that because you have very interesting stories. So tell me a little bit about how did Christy Craddock get to be a commissioner with the Texas Railroad Commission? Well, actually, I'm one of those who grew up in the oil patch. So I grew up in Midland, Texas. My family was in the oil and gas industry my whole life. And so I was exposed to this industry from early on and understood and have understood historically how important it is to the state and what a good industry, quite frankly, that it is. Um, As I went to college and went to law school, I ended up in my practice doing oil and gas and tax, water, environmental law, and utility law. So that was kind of my background coming into this office. And then as in 2010-2011, this agency, the Railroad Commission, was going through sunset process, which is when most state agencies go through this process. It's a, an audit process to see if they should still be a, an agency. And this agency, we finally got through this past session. We'll talk about that, I hope, in a few minutes. But, yes, we will. Um, we, we were... We were an agency who I thought had not was not uh, on the top end of what we should be doing as far as communicating, looking at, looking forward as an agency, and trying to bring us into the 21st century. And so there was a seat that became available, and I decided to run, and ended up out of a field of six Republicans, three Democrats, and a Libertarian winning in an election cycle. And so I'm in year five of being on the commission, and it's a great place to be. There are a lot of really good quality people, male and female, who work at this agency, and so I'm really proud to represent the Royal Commission. Well, it almost seems as though this was, you know, the the, the type of uh, work and um, you being an attorney and what you were studying and covering and, and, and being employed in all, all kind of led up to this moment. Um, and I just briefly want to touch on, you do come from a family that also, um, they um, are elected to offices as well. Your father is also uh, in the state legislator as well, correct? That's correct. In fact, he was the first Republican Speaker of the House in this state, in Texas, in 120 years. So public service, whether it's through volunteering or being elected, is important to my family. And so that was another piece. I feel like it was my t- my opportunity to be engaged in in this state and then give back to my state and to the community. Well, I I do have to say in following you for the last five years, um, it really does make a difference to have commissioners that really understand both sides of the coin, if you will, on how important it is. Oil and gas cannot stop in this state. It is such a vital piece to our economy, provides great paying jobs. And so it's really important that we look at it. But on the other side of the spectrum, um, there is uh, community safety and and looking and, and just kind of balancing very carefully. How do we do this and how do we ensure that we're doing it uh, the most environmentally friendly way? We're also thinking about public safety. And so it's a really big it's a balance, but people that sit in this elected uh, office, really, they need to be knowledgeable. And, and you are one of those rare uh, individuals that kind of meets both. Um, and I've also seen, you know, at, as far as you personally, an amazing mother, uh, as well as balancing this very stressful position. And, and you do them so well. Um, and I want to say that on behalf of being, you know, a woman too, 
it's women like you that really set the bar high, um, helps uh, give uh, credence to that women can do it all. And uh, we're doing it. We're doing it really well. And you're a perfect example of, of how you make it look so easy, even though it's really, I'm sure, very hard. Um, and so with that, I do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. Empower Rural Texas and join the Texas Rural Challenge at the Waco Convention Center from June 29th through the 30th. Hosted by the UTSA Institute for Economic Development SBDC Rural Business Program, this is the largest state event of its kind. Engage in innovative presentations regarding small business leadership and community development or business plan competitions for Texas small business owners and college students. Join the challenge and register as an attendee, vendor, or sponsor at TexasRuralChallenge.org. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. And we are back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. Christy, before the break, we were talking about what led you up to being a commissioner and now, of course, the chairwoman of the commission. Uh, but I want to get into, you know, we just finished the regular Texas session, and a lot of the discussion involved uh, the Railroad Commission. So I, I want to briefly get into the discussion. You guys were under sunset. You also were requesting uh, much-needed revenue to keep this agency uh, up with all of the changes that are occurring. So let's just start talking about that. What uh, happened with uh, this session and how do you think the Texas Railroad Commission fared? Well, we had a great session this session and we appreciate the legislature, I think, finally understanding how important the Railroad Commission is to the state and frankly, how important oil and gas is to the state. So I touched at the beginning of the the interview a little bit earlier that we had been through sunset. We, we've been trying to get through our sunset review since 2010, 2011. In this session, we are have finished our sunset review, which we are glad about. Uh, the governor's actually signed it already because we were finished about three weeks ago now, and he's, he has signed our bill, so we will be an agency for the next 12 years, and we're glad about that. Congratulations, because we definitely needed that to happen. Well, we did, and I think that was part of the message, really, this cycle to the legislature is, look, this is a very important agency. We are regulating an industry that is today 30% of the state's economy, but we're we're two years ago, it was 40%, and I'll go back to why that made a difference in a minute, but we, you know, you want this industry to be strong in the state. You want this industry to be regulated in this state. And so I think that conversation and understanding how important the Railroad Commission is and will continue to be not just in this state, but for what happens across the country, because people do look at what our regulations and rules are and how we do things in Texas. We are the leader. Half the rigs running in the country are running in Texas. So you want to make sure that continues and that economic development continues. And you want an agency who understands rules, 
and doesn't overregulate, but has some common sense views. So we're glad for 12 more years as an agency, and we've made some, I think, good changes, and it gave us an opportunity to make sure we stay on track as an agency. The other piece that we really had a great session on, um, pending the governor signing the, the budget bill, we hope this week, um, has to do with our budget. You know, we are a fee-based agency, and our challenge has been as the industry has been down and the permitting numbers have been down. We, in fact, we were off as much n- the number of permits this past year by 70% from the year before. That's real dollars coming into this agency. So we, uh, but and we're an agency though that collects more fees than we were allowed to spend when you look at how government, state government budgets. And so we went to the legislature and said, look, you. You're going to get us through sunset. We're an important agency, but our revenue is off 23%. And we've done smart things like not hire people and let let our people, you know, leave voluntarily. We didn't have any any layoffs, but we're down 100 people. We quit buying trucks, and everybody laughs. Why does it matter if you need a truck? But if you don't have a truck and you're trying to go out and do an inspection – and your truck doesn't run, then my inspector can't go out there and do that job. Um, And we quit doing IT, which is our IT improvement, which we've done what I consider phase one, but we've got a long way to go still at this agency. So we've done the cuts that were easy. And frankly, we're watching again this industry begin to grow, and which is good news. And so we we went in and said, look, you, you need to give us some dollars. Give us access to our dollars and give us some dollars to help us again we need to have staff. We need to put do uh, continue to do pipeline safety inspections, for instance, and they gave us almost six million dollars for additional pipeline safety inspections. We we think pipelines are important. We have about four hundred and fifty thousand miles of pipe in the state. So we need people to make sure we're inspecting those. They gave us three million dollars and some additional people to do some IT upgrade, particularly on our enforcement division, which, you know, once we go out and do an inspection, if somebody's not cleaning up or following our rules, we make sure that they are penalized and there's an enforcement division for that. They also wanted to make sure we continue to plug abandoned wells in the state so um, and do remediation for people who've got abandoned projects that we and we as the state end up inheriting. It's not a huge number, but that could cause huge problems long-term. We plug roughly 875 wells a year and do a couple of hundred site remediations, give or take. And so they gave us money for that, but also gave us some dollars for what we consider operational stability, which is really getting us back to whole, so to speak, from where we were two years ago. So we can go back and continue to hire some people now as industry is getting busy. If you go to Eagleford or, or West Texas, both areas are beginning to see bet more activity and have more rigs on the ground, and we need to have inspectors available, for instance, out there. Exactly. Christy, we do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired to the time they retire. 
from pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your employees' health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 1-866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. And we are back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. And Christy, before the break, you were debriefing us on how the past regular session of the Texas legislature ended for the uh, Texas Railroad Commission. And, and it sounds like everything pretty much went smooth. I also you know, wanted to mention that some of the very unique things that happened this session uh, were things that we're pretty proud of that we were a part of. Uh, you know, community, when they come out and they speak, these are the voters. These are the voters that put our elected officials in uh, their seats. And one of the things that we were uh, grateful to partake in was TEAK, which is Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. And it was a group of folks that came from uh, mostly Corpus San Antonio in Houston uh, and went down there to talk to the legislators about, hey, even though we're directly not involved in oil and gas, we get that it really matters here in this state, and we really need you to help the Texas Railroad Commission uh, get through the process and give them the funds uh, that they need and, uh, and continue to let them do their good work. And so I'm glad that we were actually able to be a part of that. And so that being said, I want to just switch gears just a little bit Because, you know, uh, one of the things that is uh, always in the media right now is the Trump administration, President Trump, and a lot of his executive orders and actually uh, also his thoughts on oil and gas. And so I want to get your opinion on how do you feel he has been responding to oil and gas uh, and has anything that he is doing at uh, D.C. level affected Texas here, uh, good or bad? Well, I think first when you look at what he did on day one, when he was president, which is putting out America's first energy plan. It seems to me with that, that he understands and appreciates America and the energy possibilities and energy we have across this country. And that's a change from just the last administration and day one. I also look at some of the appointments he's made first, when you look at the appointments to his cabinet, for instance. So Department of Energy, which is used to be our uh, governor of Texas, Rick Perry, and now the Secretary of Energy. You know, you can't put somebody in a better place that is from Texas than there. The second person we are glad to see, even though he's not from Texas, from Oklahoma, is Scott Pruitt, who's the head of the EPA. And look, he's really looking at 
I think with common sense, trying to put the EPA back on track for the rules and regulations that Congress has given them to implement instead of being way out of bounds where I think this last EPA is and get them back on track. I don't think there's any question everybody wants to protect the environment and do what's right, but when you're using it for other reasons, I think he, this EPA had gotten too too much of an activist and wasn't on track. So we're glad to see him there. And the other person that people don't always think about, but it is very important to the world economy and the world um, and the perception of the of the United States is Rex Tillerson, who grew up in Wichita Falls, used to be head of Exxon Mobil, he's the Secretary of State. So those three appointments, you're all you know, cabinet level or right at cabinet level are really important people going forward in this administration and I think shows the philosophy this president has towards energy in general and the appreciation he has about energy of all kinds, frankly. And when you look at Texas, I always say we could be the the poster child or the example for a national energy plan of which we don't have in this country. We have coal, we have natural gas, we have oil, we have nuclear. We actually are the largest wind state in the country. We have solar, and there's a geothermal plant being planned in this in this state. So we have a little bit of everything, and I think that that's where this president appreciates and understands that homegrown energy, United States energy, is important. I think Texas continues to lead the way. When you look at a couple of the the um, regulations and things he's rolled back. Look, first and foremost, we now have some common sense when we're trying to permit pipelines. So, you know, you, I think companies, if they if they want to invest in this country, they want to know what the rules are. And so, you look at Keystone Pipeline or the Dakota Access Pipeline. The rules kept changing on those companies, and these pipelines are important to this country. And so, he's permitted those pipelines, and it looks like they'll have some common sense rules as you try to get those pipelines permitted. LNG is another place where I think it's really important that we know what the rules are, and the last administration was doing them piece by piece, and it seems like this administration, their goal is to streamline the permitting process for LNG terminals. I think all of those are, are very important, and one thing we did this week at the commission, and we've gotten asked about is waters of the U.S., which is Look, water is, water is important to all of us, no matter where you live, and Texas is a state that always needs more water. And so you look at Waters of the U.S., which he did by executive order, got r- rolled back in February, and we just assigned a letter encouraging him to continue, and this is the common sense rules that ought to be in place going forward. Please look at it this way. And so, and have sent that to Scott Pruitt today, out of, actually out of the commission. So we appreciate the fact that he's willing to work with states, work with all stakeholders, and have common sense rules and regulations so we can continue in this country to be successful. Well, you know, one of the things that to me really uh, was so important for President Trump moving towards uh, energy independence and, and continuing to look at America first was there's also a lot of areas where we need to consider it's also a matter of national security in my opinion too that we need to be energy independent as best we can and and help our allies with being able to help them as well and i think that with some of these orders and and the and the path that we he's put us on uh, you know gives us that ability to to step into that role and while it's a complicated subject on a global level you know, I believe that we're off to a really good start with him, and, and, and we'll continue to see more positive regulation coming out under him, I, I, I'm, I'm sure. But we do have to take a real quick break. 
You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. With over 40 years of experience in the energy industry, we will help drive your excellent performance. Shipping general cargo, oversized, heavy lift, hazardous material, or mission-critical cargo? Amerijet is your full-service logistics provider, offering air charter, airport-to-airport, cross-border trucking, and express shipping. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S. with more than 625 destinations worldwide. We provide global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Your company will benefit from compliance with the highest safety and environmental standards, 24-7 security and surveillance, and online tracking. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. For the best in customer satisfaction, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. Once again, that's 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Christy Craddock. You know, Christy, we've talked a lot about President Trump Uh, His vision of energy is obviously important, America's first. But he also, uh, this past week, uh, announced that he would be pulling the United States out of the Paris Climate Agreement. And we've had a couple of shows on what it really uh, meant to the United States and uh, possibly some reasoning of why he felt it was important to pull the United States out of this agreement. And, you know, my thought is, is that, when you really look and see while anything, any kind of an agreement on climate is important, uh, all countries coming together and discussing the importance of uh, cleaner energy, uh, helping the environment, we all need to be doing our fair share. But when it appears as though there's only one country that's funding the majority of the entire planet cleaning up their countries to the tune of $3 trillion, and uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs being lost, uh, you know, from the United States, uh, I do find it troubling. I I do see it very lopsided. And um, especially, though, knowing that the United States, you know, all on our own uh, through technology and innovation, uh, energy companies have come up with some of the best technology and also, um, you know, using more natural gas has definitely uh, helped the environment immensely and and so i'm wondering would you would you not agree that with all of the technology that a lot of the u.s companies have been developing that help with uh, methane and um, air emissions we can teach them how to become more environmentally friendly just like the united states is doing without having the paris climate agreement in place um we're clearly going that direction i mean i've 
I, the air's clearly cleaner than it was 10, 20 years ago, and innovation is driving that. You look at um, methane emissions for the oil and gas industry because in natural gas, they're, they're continuing to drop, for instance, because they're doing things smarter with innovation, and they're, the natural gas calls, causes methane emissions to drop. So that's this is good common sense to allow companies to innovate. We've got in this country and this state actually just opened about a month ago. A company has opened a um, carbon capture facility. It's Petronova. It's outside of Houston. It takes carbon. It's it's really our clean coal plant. Um, and it's using the CO2 emissions and using it for recovery for oil and gas in the Conroe fields. You know, I don't think you see those type innovations if you're going to put your heel down on an industry that really is doing a good job for this country long term. So um, I think that's been the real challenge. I think he understood that and recognized that we as a country have done a good part of it and that you need to have, if you're going to have everybody on the same playing field, you ought to at least make China, India, and some other countries who are also big countries and big emitters do their fair share instead of putting it all on the United States first. Couldn't agree with you more. I think what will be interesting is to see. So uh, the first uh, uh, initial media piece that has come out is that uh, this uh, agreement or accord is not able to be modified. But my reasoning is if you really do care about the environment as a planet, well, shouldn't we be trying to come back and see what is fair since the United States is clearly leading the way in technology to be able to reduce? Don't you think that we should be sharing this with other countries like China, Brazil, and India, but without an agreement that works for everyone and the United States is not paying for everyone? Uh, I think that's the only way that this can happen. I think that, that that's reasonable, and I think that's what President Trump is basically requesting. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see if all of these individuals and these countries are willing to uh, change and amend uh, this agreement or go into a new agreement uh, to, to really try to reel in everyone at the same time or make it fair across the board. And so um, pretty interesting stuff we're dealing with with the Paris Climate Agreement, and uh, I'm sure it'll probably get very interesting. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Chairman Craddock, you guys do an amazing job. And if anyone listening wants to get a hold of you or understand more about what the Texas Railroad Commission does, speaking engagements, where can they find you? You know, you can um, email and or Google Railroad Commission and Christy Craddock, and we'll, we pop up all places. So we'd love to come out and speak, and I appreciate y'all having me. And, um, and you know, if you've got questions in my office, if you're listening, you don't understand something, please pick up the phone and call. There are no, I always say there are no stupid questions. And our job is to continue to engage the public and let them understand what we do and to give good information. So christycraddock.com is my, my um, website, and we tweet and we Facebook. So please start following me as well. There you have it. Chairman Craddock, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today, and we look forward to having you back. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Chairman Craddock, for being a guest on our show today, and congratulations, because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com, and you will win yourself 
a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, an amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is, what regulatory agency is Christy Craddock elected to? Remember to be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you will win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao Brazilian Steakhouse. Well, that's all the time we have now for this show, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show and follow us on Twitter at shellmag. And that's going to wrap up another great show. We'll look forward to seeing you next week with more exciting and insightful news. Adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.